welcome to The Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to The Feathered Desert. This is uh, Cheryl and Kirsten is with me and today we're going to do a podcast on our plant spotlight. So it's called Plant Spotlight Review. So when Kirsten and I started, first started to do these podcasts, we included a plant spotlight at the end. And now that spring is on the horizon here in the Phoenix area, I thought we would highlight some of our favorite and most successful native plants to attract birds and butterflies. And Kirsten has the first three. Yay! I'm excited about this one. So perennials, that is something that I like, which means it's going to come back every year without me having to do anything with (laughs) it. Very little work with all native plants, actually. Yes. So these are perennials, actually, that hummingbirds love, and we love our hummingbirds. So one that I actually do have in my yard, and I know Cheryl also has it in her yard, it's so pretty, it's very showy, is the firecracker penstemon. This is a showy plant with blossoms of fiery red, so... Hence the name, firecracker penstemon. And of course, as we know, hummingbirds love to see the color red. They're very familiar with red meaning um, nectar. And these firecracker penstemons have a tubular red flower. This plant is an important nectar source for hummingbirds nesting and migrating in your yard. For much of the year, it is a tidy evergreen. And I like the, um, uh, not the flowers, the leaves. Mm -hmm. They're a big kind of chunky leaf and I like it but elegant and I don't think you can imagine it being big and chunky and elegant but it is so it is a tidy evergreen until the stems start to grow and the blossoms appear and they come up nice and full at the top and leggy kind of leggy but in a pretty way it requires excellent drainage full sun and it is heat tolerant so pretty much that's the desert right there (laughs) the other one we have is chuparosa I know I have one, um, Cheryl has one, and actually the Wild Birds Unlimited store in Mesa used to have one right outside its front door. So the Chuparosa is a semi-evergreen shrub with long blooming tubular flowers in various shades of soft red. Mine is red. Not only is this plant an extremely important source of nectar for hummingbirds, but it is known to also attract orioles, warblers, goldfinches, house finches, and white crown sparrows. So this is a, a win-win plant here. Yeah. It is also the host plant for the larva of the checkered spot butterfly, which is also a win-win. Yes. Yes. So our third one for our perennial hummingbird flowers is Mexican honeysuckle. I also have this one in my yard too. So this one is a handsome hummingbird plant that is a real workhorse. Oh my gosh, it it really is. It's cranking out blooms most of the year. Yeah. It's a nice kind of red-orange. It does have the tubular flower, and it has the distinctive three-lobed lower lips. And these are extremely valuable for wintering hummingbirds. I mean, mine has flowers on it right now after all this cold weather. So it has a graceful upward spreading form and bright green heart-shaped leaves. If you're not already in love with this, you should be after this description. (laughs) It is a Sonoran Desert native found in sandy washes and rocky canyon bottoms at lower elevations of 1,500 to 3,500 feet. It is fast growing and likes well-drained fertile soil, 
part to filtered sun depending on the elevations. I know mine is full sun, actually. Yeah, I have two, and they sit full sun. Yes. I just like the way they spread out, so I have mine... um, I have two of them, and they're growing along the side of the patio. Yes. Mine is in a big pot, like a big, really big pot in my front yard. And so it has, it's able to filter, uh, has easily well-drained soil in that pot. But this is like a giant pot, like a person-sized pot. <laughs> so don't put it in like a tiny little pot. It won't be able to grow as well. No, it was what I found with a lot of the native plants is they have like, a, what's it called, a tap root. They yeah. have a, wrap, a root that goes way, 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 way down and anchors them. must be for water and nutrients and stuff. I would guess so, but yes, yeah. to get down into the They're water so that's much in on the, the ground. Surface. Yeah. And as a reminder, these are all native plants to the Sonoran Desert. Yes. And most of them, Kirsten and I have in our yards. Yes. So now let's highlight two trees that hummingbirds love. So I have a Baja Fairy Duster um, in my yard in a corner. And this is one of my personal favorites. The Fairy Duster is an evergreen woody shrub slash tree with bright red powder puff flowers. It blooms year-round. It even blooms in December. It's blooming in January with a peak display from spring through fall. The long-lasting and attractive blooms are highly attractive to birds such as verdins and warblers, hummingbirds, bees, and butterflies too. It is extremely heat tolerant and once established just needs well-drained soil and it, its water demands are low. I rarely water it. Yeah. Maybe once a month in the summer because it's like 118. Yeah. I think it everything looks needs a little yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> it is virtually pest-free and disease-free. And pruning is generally unnecessary. I like this one. I think this one's pretty. And then our next one that is another one of uh, Kirsten's and my favorite is the desert willow. This graceful tree both provides perching sites and nectar flowers for hummingbirds. It has ruffle orchid-like pale pink to rich burgundy flowers that peak in springtime, but often continue throughout the summer. So mine's dormant right now, and it just looks twiggy. Yeah. But towards sometime in March, it's going to start popping with flowers and leaves. With light green willow-like leaves and big blossoms, this is a lovely addition to a front yard landscape. Desert willows tolerate most soils, and it is quite drought tolerant. It blooms best in full sun. Mine sits right on the corner of my yard, and we have a southern exposure. It gets sun all the time. If you water it once or twice a month in the summer, that will prolong the tree's blooming. So let's talk about butterflies. Yes, the desert willow is actually a great arc talking about butterflies because it is actually the host plant for 10 different butterflies and moths in the uh, Sonoran Desert area. So that's a great one to have. So butterfly weed, milkweed, versus butterfly bush. So these can get mixed up a lot. So what you want when you want to attract butterflies such as your queen and your monarch to lay their eggs on a plant and use it as a host plant, which once more, let's give a definition of what a host plant is. A host plant is what the butterfly lays their eggs on so that the the caterpillar, (laughs) so the caterpillar can eat it. So a host plant is a plant that you plant to allow the caterpillars to eat it. And it's very important. Butterfly weed or any kind of Asclepius is what you're looking for. 
Uh, so Asclepius tuberosa is butterfly weed. This is the good one. It is a species of milkweed native to eastern and southwestern North America. It is commonly known as butterfly weed because of the butterflies that are attracted to the plant by its color and its copious production of nectar. And this uh, butterfly weed is typically kind of an orangey color. Yes. And it's got those um, tubular orange flowers. Very pretty. Um, and you can tell, I'm sorry, not tubular ones. Um, I'm no, thinking of Mexican, they're, yeah. Right. They're more of a... Um, cluster. Cluster, and they have five little, um, oh my goodness, little petals that go up and then five that go down. And that's how you can tell that it's an actual Asclepius. Um, their clump-forming perennial um, grows from tuberous roots to a height of one to two feet and is characterized by glossy green lance-shaped leaves. And clusters, as we were just saying, bright orange to yellow blooms that are rich with nectar and pollen. So the flower itself will attract other types of butterflies for nectar feeding, as well as our queens and monarchs. And then the queens and monarchs are looking, the females are looking for the shape of the leaf. And that will attract them to the bush to lay their eggs, which is totally what you want because the caterpillars are amazing. So the other thing that it gets mixed up with a lot is butterfly bush. Butterfly bush is bad, 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 bad. This is a Bedelia davidi, or more commonly seen in nurseries as butterfly bush. This is actually an evasive plant from China. We do not want to confuse it with our butterfly weed, which is a type of milkweed. It is butterfly bush, a deciduous shrub that can grow up to 15 feet high this bush has a cone-shaped flower in clusters at the end of the branches. It's actually quite pretty, and it will attract a lot of butterflies, but it attracts something else that is very bad, and you don't want to do that. So the branches, and it is cultivated over the years into many different attractive colors, such as pink, blue, magenta, purple, and yellow, which is so pretty for us. In nurseries, it's actually advertised as being a wonderful plant to attract butterflies, which it does attract them, but... Because it has been cultivated so much over the years, it's really lost any kind of nutrition in the nectar. So it's kind of like just giving them candy instead of giving them actual yeah. good solid food for them because the nectar has no good nutrition for them. Um, and it is only useful to the adult butterfly. Since this is an invasive species from China, no actual insect that lives here in North America that is good for our environment actually eats it. Nobody eats it. Nobody does anything with it. So any native North American butterfly cannot use it as a host plant because it's unfamiliar. They didn't grow up with it, evolutionarily speaking. So it is highly invasive and it does, it grows well like everywhere. So it's not quite as good as withstanding our desert heat, but I've seen it offered here. Cheryl has seen it offered here in many different nurseries in the valley. And once it seeds, some of those little seeds are going yeah. to bloom. And we have enough invasive plants in our desert. Yes. We don't so, need any more. Yes. Once it is established in your yard, it will seed after blooming, and those seeds will spread and choke out any native plants nearby that are essential to a butterfly's life. So this is the thing we were talking about. It attracts butterflies, but since it's a Chinese plant, it also attracts Asian mosquitoes because this is a native plant to where our Asian mosquitoes have grown up. The male Asian mosquito will drink the nectar from the flowers, and wherever a male goes, a female will follow. And the female is the one that sucks our blood. Yes. So that's just another reason to avoid butterfly yes. bush. I just thought this was important because I was recently at a nursery, and I saw um, butterfly 
weed, but uh, next to it is butterfly bush. And I'm like, oh, this is so misleading. It is. You just need clarification. Yep. And they do it on purpose so that you'll buy the one that's bigger and prettier, probably a little bit more expensive, but you want butterfly weed. Or it will say on the scientific name, it will say Asclepius, which is spelled A-S-C-L-E-P-I-A-S. If it says Asclepius, then that is a milkweed, which is what you want. Yes. All right, so I have two natives to the southwest that will, will do well in your backyard. And the first one is a chocolate flower. So these are smaller plants that are more like annuals, yep. but they recede. Well, most, I don't want to say all, but probably 95% of natives are really good at reseeding mm -hmm. on their own. Yeah. So that's how I actually got um, the firecracker uh, pen stemming. It reseeded on its own. So the first is chocolate flower. It's a fast-growing bush. It grows to about one to two feet, partial, full to partial shade, low water once it's established, and well-draining soil. This pretty yellow daisy-like flower blooms from spring through fall. It has no thorns, but the flowers have a distinctive chocolate scent. And I don't know about you, but pretty flowers and chocolate, well, yeah, <laughs> it's Valentine's Day every day. Yes. It's great for native bees, butterflies, birds eat the seeds in the fall, and it's a great native flower to add some color to a garden. Right up there with blanket flower and desert uh, marigold. The next is my favorite, and I cannot wait to um, add more of this to my backyard, is flat top buckwheat. Wheat, and I even like the name. Mm -hmm. This is a shrub that is evergreen and it grows about one foot tall to two feet wide, so about the size as your chocolate flower. It blooms from March to November with a white or pale pink flower. It prefers full sun and well drained soil. It will need only a little water once established with supplementary water watering during the heat of the summer. Its naturally round form is useful on slopes for controlling uh, soil erosion and needs very little, if any, pruning. In the fall, its seeds will provide food for birds and other desert um, animals, and it is a host plant for the metalmark uh, butterfly and the acromon? Acman, I think Ackman. is. Acman blue butterfly. Blue butterfly, and it's wonderful for native bees. Yes. I do like the flat, flat top buckwheat. My neighbor has it in their yard, but I haven't been able to transport it over. <laughs> it's not coming. <laughs> All right, here's one for the bats. Yay, bats! So this one is one that's really very common in this area, Perry's agave, or agave perii. I like that they, that's the scientific name. That's an easy one. Uh, this plant is native to Arizona, New Mexico, and Mexico. This agave will produce gray-green rosettes that grow 7 to 20 inches. The leaves do have marginal teeth and a sharp tip, so you're not going to want to put this in an area where you're walking too closely right. by it all the time. Um, but it makes a great accent plant in the desert as it needs little water and is very low maintenance. It is a slow grower. It's agave. you got to remember, this guy is going to take a couple years to get nice and big, but it's going to look good in your garden while it's doing it. So you're in this for the long haul, but when it blooms, it is really spectacular. You'll get 20 foot tall blooms with 20 to 30 offshoots that are red buds and yellow when in full bloom. 
It can take full sun and may need water every two weeks in the drought portion of the summer, but it needs very little water in the winter. I have some in my yard and I don't, we haven't watered them at all this winter and they're totally fine. The main plant will produce offshoots that will grow nearby and do well if allowed to spread out a bit. The offshoots can be dug up and removed if desired. After about five to 10 years, the agave will bloom and once an agave blooms, it does die. But the offshoots will remain if left alone. So it's kind of reseeds itself a little bit. This is a great plant for the lesser long-nosed bat, which we are seeing more often in mm -hmm. the Phoenix Valley and other nighttime pollinators. So it's a nice, easily ornamental native that you plant, leave it alone. Once it blooms, you have that, you know, it blooms for about a week, maybe two weeks. And then you just have this amazing thing in your yard. And like I said, those little offshoots um, will keep it going for a long, long time. Can you, trans instead of removing them, can you transplant them? I believe that you can. Um, Probably a little tricky. Yes, we have actually done it in our yard with a different type of agave. And one of the transplants worked and one of them didn't. So you kind of have to make sure that it's not teeny tiny. If it's real, real small, only about an inch tall, I don't think it transplants well. But if it's a, a decent size, like maybe three inches across, like a good handful size looking one, we transplanted one of those that that size and it's doing just fine. And it's grown almost twice the size. And we redid that. We did that maybe two years ago. So that did that did well. Did Okay. So it did better. So I have a sticky one, but it's short. So the desert hackberry. This is a shrub that is a host plant for several butterflies in the southwest including the American Snout, the Hackberry, Hackberry Emperor, and the Empress uh, Layla. Yes, I believe it is Layla. It also has berries that birds, such as verdant, northern mockingbirds, and cedar waxwings love. This shrub requires low water, once established, full sun, good drainage, and room to grow because it can grow to about 8 feet high, 10 feet wide. But with pruning, with pruning, it will stay contained. So you can easily prune it. And I would start pruning it while it's smaller. You don't want to tackle it when it's eight feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> it does have thorns, but birds love thorny bushes to keep them safe from predators. So I have a couple of desert hackberries, and they're kind of um, a barrier around the um, bird bass. Nice. And also, this is a berry that human beings can eat as well yes and yes. they're very tart they're nice if you like a tart berry they're a good one okay our last plant is the scrub oak because every environment should have some oak and we actually do have oak that live here in the desert naturally and we did save the best for last this is a smaller oak this is not going to be a giant 30 foot oak in your front yard this oak is about eight feet tall and 12 feet wide once again you can do some pruning if you need to, but it's best if you can leave it. But 12 feet wide, that's that's a big area yeah. to have set aside, so you can do a little pruning. It has leathery gray-green leaves that cover rigid branches. This oak is native to Arizona. It does best at higher altitudes, but it can grow here in the valley. It will need supplemental water in the heat of summer, and afternoon shade is beneficial, but it can take full sun at higher altitudes. So like most... Soils. Soils. Um, 
Oh, it likes most soils. Sorry. Yes, it does. It's great in almost all soils, and it should be pruned only to remove dead leaves. It can make an excellent hedge, but it is slow growing. Once again, something in our desert area that's native is usually slow growing. Dense foliage will provide shelter for birds and small reptiles and mammals. Many desert animals eat the acorns, and it is a host plant to several desert butterflies. The oak itself actually can support 30 or more different types of insects. And of course, insects run the world. We need to have them. So having any kind of oak in your yard is always good. But this is a special note. If you are a horse owner or you're going to plant this anywhere near horse property, this is not a good choice because horses are... Um, I guess allergic to acorns. Uh, acorns can poison horses. So you don't want to put it where a horse will come in contact with it. All right. Wow, what a list. So in closing, I just wanted you guys to remember um, when you're at the uh, nurseries to think native uh, when you're planning your spring gardening. You can't go wrong. You really can't. No, not at the all. The birds, the bees, the butterflies will thank you and uh, reward your efforts. And when I wish you a happy spring, I just want to put out there that the Boyce Thompson Arboretum plant sale is uh, March uh, 11th through the 26th, 2023. And on March 10th, if you are a member, that's your preview day. And all of these plants can be found at this plant sale. 